0: Good morning. I I, uh, I have to admit that when we have the chairs in a circle like this, I kind of think that like when the music stops, and we all like scramble for a seat real quick. We, we'll pull one out, and then we'll keep going around and around that that game. <laughs> Everybody remember that? But um, that's not why we're seated in a circle. I do. Um, I love more of this uh, this community feel. Uh, for those of you that love hiding out in the far back, you're kind of getting to as we extend our circle, but I do like, um, just that, uh, this is a reminder that we come together in a circle We're family, we see each other. And, um, when we see each other, we see each other through the sacrifice of Christ. And I don't want us to forget that. It, uh, it certainly changes our perspective as, uh, as we do see one another, um, I wanted to mention a couple of things. One, uh, as, as John said, tonight we have the evening retreat and uh, good friends of mine from San Jose are coming up. They are eager to meet you. Um, I want you to meet them, but they are eager to meet you. They're, they are really curious as to who, um, who is putting up with me. And uh, so they're excited to come up. And I hope that even um, there's a, a very talented team of people that are gonna kind of rearrange this room. Um, And I I pray that even just walking in and uh, seeing the beauty uh, that will be this place will give your chance, uh, give your soul a chance to breathe, that you will just kind of feel yourself settling in. And we'll have a time of worship. Uh, We'll walk through Psalm 23. I hope that really comes alive to you. Um, a key part of that is he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters and I've always thought it's funny that we have to be made to lie down in green pastures Uh, it's kind of funny that we don't just naturally want to do that and so um, I pray that you will you will choose to do that I I um, I went and saw the movie Ford versus Ferrari uh, when it came out. Anybody else see it yet? Yeah? Okay, good. Um, Loved it. It's uh, based on a true story. Um, Back in the 60s, uh, Ford wanted to overcome the Italian dominance of the 24-hour race of Le Mans. And uh, so it it talks about all that they they did. They have this car, the GT40, which is kind of legendary for car geeks. And uh, I went into it thinking, I want to find out about, you know, what kind of motor did they have in it and and stuff like that. I mean, it sounded great in the theater. Um, But uh, what I thought was interesting was uh, there was more attention in the movie devoted to the brakes than the engine. And uh, in fact, some of the some of the darkest parts of the movie had to do uh, not with the engine that was running so well, but with the brakes that failed. And I thought about that for us. I believe that in this room, we have a lot of people that uh, you got some big engines. You have a lot of capacity. Um, you can go, you can do. Um, but speaking for myself, my, my biggest crashes in life were not because I had a big engine, but because I, I didn't brake very well. Didn't recognize my own limits, um, didn't choose to press pause and slow down. So for tonight, can I just say I'm looking forward to hitting the brakes a little bit? It's going to be so good just to be and to let um, myself enter into God's presence and just rest in Him. Um, Monday morning, you can get up, fire up your engine go at it again, but I, I think you'll be able to do so even better as a result of our, our time uh, tonight. Um, and then one other thing that I wanted to mention before we, before we jump in, uh, some of you probably know Steve Pridemore or you're familiar with Hillside Church. Um, they, uh, after a couple year process, have started a new campus in Lucas Valley. And today, this morning, right now, they are meeting for the very first time. And I want us to just, uh, yes, that is awesome. Um, Tom, uh, we are not as enthusiastic as Tom, but we should be, all right? <laughs> no, I want to um, stop and I want to pray for for them. This is really exciting. I've uh, been able to hang out with Steve in my few months here, and I've gotten to know Tommy, who is their campus pastor there. He and his family, originally from Texas, they moved up from San Diego, new to this area, and today is their first big day with everybody um, in that new campus. So would you just join me and let's pray for them and celebrate what God's doing. Father, I thank you that we are a part of a big C church, uh, that there are people all throughout Moran that have chosen to set their gaze on you this morning. I pray for Tommy, I pray for his family, I pray for that team that's around him. Um, Lord, I, I ask for your anointing on Tommy. Um, I thank you for the 60 people from Hillside Church that have chosen to step out of what was comfortable and familiar and to begin attending at Lucas Valley, uh, just to help get things off the ground. I pray uh, for your blessings on them as they make those sacrifices. I pray that those sacrifices will actually feel like a blessing, uh, not a sacrifice. <sighs> Thank you, God, that we are not in this alone. Um, I mean that because we have other people in this huge family of faith, um, but also because of you. God, you, um, you are with us in a very close and personal way on this journey. Thank you for your love for Marin. Thank you for um, calling us to make an impact here and bring glory to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, so we've been uh, been talking about trees quite a bit over the last few weeks. If uh, you're hanging out with us for the first time in a while, uh, we've been looking at different passages that talk about trees and Scripture and what lessons we can learn from them. Uh, we began our first four weeks looking at this passage in Luke 19 about uh, this uh, big-hearted guy in a little body named Zacchaeus. Um, he had a heart to, uh, to see Jesus, and it radically changed the way uh, that he looked at the world, that he looked at himself. Um, he uh, led to uh, himself actually making uh, himself almost like a tree after climbing a tree so that others could begin to see Jesus in a fresh. Way. I feel like that is my calling in life, not because I'm a pastor, but because God has rescued me and called me. Um, I want to daily climb a tree to catch a fresh glimpse of Him, and then somehow throughout the day, I want other people to catch a glimpse of Him through my life. Um, I envision uh, Bay Marin, uh, we are trees rooted in Christ, each of us recognizing that we have an opportunity uh, to influence, to sway the spiritual ecosystem of Marin. We have an opportunity together to really make a difference. And uh, I love hearing stories of how that is already happening. That was happening long before I got here. Um, but I, um, I like how we are uh, coming together just as one tree does not impact an ecosystem. Um, but a, uh, a forest can. And so I think when we come together again in this circle, it's a reminder um, that we're in this together. Um, I also hope that we are, This these chairs are like growth rings that extend out as more and more people um, hunger to see Jesus, to worship Jesus with us on Sunday morning. So thank you for uh, jumping in with us. Uh, what I want us to see this morning is uh, that trees bookend the Bible. In Genesis, we see that uh, a very significant tree is mentioned, and that same tree in Revelation is also um, mentioned, and it's um, actually also talked about in the middle of, of our Bible as well. Uh, if you want to use the, the Pew Bible, there at Genesis two is where we're gonna um, where we're gonna hang out for a little bit this morning, and we're gonna look at two trees in particular. Um, I'm really excited to share some of this because I feel like I've been learning so much in this process. And so, uh, thank you for letting me share—not to chat any any choice in the matter, actually, this morning—but uh, I'm, I'm excited to share with you what I, I believe is God is uh, uh, showing me. Um, I, I know we prayed. I want to I want to pause again, and I want to give you a chance just to look inward and to prepare yourself to receive God's word. So, if you'll bow your heads. Um, And let me ask you this question. How is your soul right now in this moment? Um, Just let's take a moment and acknowledge to God where we find ourselves this morning. Not a part of what we're going to look at in Genesis 2, but um, in Genesis 2, Adam and Eve found themselves hiding. Um, They cut themselves off from God's presence. And God comes to them with a huge question. He says, where are you? How would you answer that right now? Just for you, where are you? Just what what condition is your soul in? What place are you in in life? Uh, Do you find yourself hiding? You don't have to make excuses for it or promise to improve on it just agree with God about how you're doing here and now. And then this is probably the toughest part. Let, let God love you right there as you are. Not as you think you should be. Not as you think God thinks you should be. Just let God call you his beloved. His love for you. Unconditional open to receiving that. Lord, we come to you without the pretense of uh, having it all together. What we do is we find rest in you, and we declare that you are the one who has it all together. Um, You are the God who wears a t-shirt that says, I got this, and we can let go, we can trust you. This is such a safe place, and we thank you. Lord, our minds and our hearts can be open to your word because of you. Because you call us your beloved. It's in your name I pray. Amen. All right. In Genesis 2, beginning in verse 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Now let me press pause there and just make a couple of observations. Um, The Garden of Eden is probably better if we think of it as a forest. My mindset with a garden is what my grandma had, this little patch of land right next to her um, house, or what um, my mom and I tried to do and found out we didn't have the green thumb that my grandma did. Um, So this isn't like just a nice little garden that God put together. And one of the clues that we have is it has a massive river that can break into four streams. So I mean, just kind of picture the size of this. So God places Adam in what we call typically a garden, but think of it as a forest, especially as he's talking about the many trees that he has planted. Uh, Continuing in verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So let's kind of talk about these two trees. Um, and Let's just kind of pick up with that last word, die. This is, he is not saying that the fruit on this tree is poisonous, and if you eat it, you're going to die, um, although it did signal the end of uh, mankind's immortality. What he's talking about here is um, the death as in the separation of our soul, from the one who created our soul. Our, the separation of our lives from the creator and the lover and sustainer of our lives. And so it's a, it's a reminder that we can exhibit all the signs of physical life, yet spiritually, um, in our soul, we can actually be dead. We can be separated from God in that way. So we'll talk about, what I want us to talk about is um, uh, the tree of life, and then this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which when you think about it, sounds pretty positive. Wouldn't we want the knowledge of good and evil? Why, why wouldn't God want us to partake of that? Uh, why didn't he want Adam to partake of that? And so um, so let's take a moment and we'll start off with the tree of life. Um, this word for life is so much more than just um, air in your lungs. It's, it's more than just... Um, uh, You know, uh, my ticker is working. I'm alive. It is, there is um, a true animation of your soul. You are fully alive. Uh, This word for life actually in the Hebrew paints a really beautiful picture. Um, It is associated with, um, like if you associated this word life with vegetation, it would mean that it's very green. Um, It is growing. If you associated this word life with a stream, it would be, it would be like this stream is flowing. It is full um, and flowing. If it's a season, it's a season of growth like springtime. So all of these things have to do with something fresh and vibrant and dynamic. Um, it's associated with, with appetite and and running and, um, and, and springing forth. It's also mentioned with old age, but it's not like our what we think of as old age, it's saying that you can have that kind of life even in old age. You can have one that is marked by um, a voracious appetite and running and springing. It's something that I think of uh, when I think of my kids as opposed to me who really loves the couch. That is my, I <laughs> I've, I've found life in the couch. Uh, but there is, uh, this, this tree of life is just talking about um, there is a youthful vitality that uh that we can experience so all of the trees in the garden were beautiful all of the trees in this garden forest were edible it was an orchard that god intended for people to enjoy and the tree of life appears to be like this uh a tree that uh provided sustenance for adam and for eve now this tree of the knowledge of good and evil um let me kind of just uh, make a couple of statements about it that I think will help frame the way we, we see it. Um, even though it is viewed primarily in the negative, I want us to also think of the positive this morning. Um, the knowledge of good and evil probably refers to the human ability to decide for ourselves what is best and what is not. Now, when we think of um, this knowledge of good and evil, um it, can we agree that even though we can know what is good and life-giving, and we can know what is not life-giving, we don't always do what we know is best, okay? Maybe the, it's probably just the person next to you that does that, but you know, <laughs> pray for them. Um, I, I wish I had um, a recording of all of the times that basically my kids have said, I don't know what is best for them but they know what is best for them. Uh, And it's sometimes funny and sometimes terrifying to step back and let them experience what they think is good for them as they determine that um, and find out maybe that wasn't actually what was best. And so this, this tree, this knowledge of good and evil is referring to the human ability to decide for ourselves what is best for us and what is not. Now, what we are to do, God wants us to know what is best, but it's our—it's not our role to determine that. Um, It's—we don't get to determine that. God does. So, God will give us—God um, will give us discernment as to what is good and life-giving, or discernment as to what is—is um, is evil. But we don't determine what is good and what is evil. Does that kind of make sense? Um, In other words, this tree was an opportunity for Adam to agree with his position in life. It was an opportunity for Adam and for Eve to say, God, you are the one that makes these determinations and it's our job to submit, to obey, to follow what what you believe and what you have determined is best. So when the serpent, if you read this in Genesis 3, um the serpent comes to eve and devises a scheme to deceive eve and basically what he's doing is he is calling into question god's ability to know what is good he's kind of saying to eve uh, okay this tree if if you partake of this tree then you will actually be able to determine what is good because maybe god's holding out on you maybe maybe what you've been enjoying and all of these other trees God has said that's what's best for you, but maybe this is what's best for you. Um, and I think there is a parallel to that, to our struggles in life. Um, when we are faced with a temptation, oftentimes that temptation is to think, I think that what God has offered me is good, but this would be even better. Or what God has offered me is good, but it's not quite enough. Thank you, God, but, and we. Act in a way that we are determining what we think might be best for us. Um, I got to sit down with with one of you, and since I didn't get a chance to clear this story with you in, in advance, I won't tell you who who this was, but it was Dan. And uh, <laughs> um, now I got to I got to hear his story earlier this week, and I was just so blessed by that. Um, and what he was telling me was there was a time in his life when he was, he thought he was living the good life. Those were his words. I I thought I was living the good life. And then I met God and I found out really what good is. And it was for those of you that know Dan, you know, there's been a radical change in his life. Um, He went from determining himself what was good and Find out to find out after life crashed and burned that God knew all along what was good, and He has completely rearranged His life around what He knows that God says is good. Um, The biggest crashes in my life, yes, are when I didn't hit the brakes. (laughs) But really, uh, you could also say the biggest crashes in my life are when um, when I took things out of God's hands and said, "I will determine what is good." I think I know. What I need right now. Um, So when God puts this tree there, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he is, it's kind of a test. And he's saying, will Adam be satisfied with his God-given role and place? Are you going to be okay with you being you and God being God? Um, Anne Lamott, who I just found out like lives around here. I didn't know that. Um, I've read several of her books over the years, and uh, she makes this amusing yet very true observation. The difference between God and us is that God doesn't think he's us. (laughs) (laughs) For a moment, for a very significant and tragic moment, um, Adam and Eve thought they were God. They thought they could determine uh, what was best for them. And so, um, what this? Uh, on the, so, for the positive side of this, at a deeper level, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil provides for us an opportunity to express a delight in God and the life that He gives. It's our way of saying all of these things that you would o- have offered to us is abundantly good. Thank you. By saying no to this, we are saying yes, and we are bringing glory to God. God creates us with the freedom. choose, So in order to choose, there must be choices. It was true in the beginning. It is true now. God wants us to choose to love and follow him. So I want to pose a question for you. um, And I'm going to have you turn to the person next to you to uh, discuss your thoughts on this. How does choice play a key part in love? And would it be love if you didn't have a choice? Okay, So turn to someone um, nearby, and what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that? How does choice play a key part in love, and would it be love if you didn't have a choice? Likewise. (laughs) All right. Anybody want to share what, what you're coming up with in this? Anybody say something incredibly profound? Yes. Doug Doug said something profound. Yes. Why well, I don't know why Suzanne rolled her eyes, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Let, uh, what was it? Okay, receiving love is more precious when you realize it is the choice of the giver of that love. Awesome, yeah. Yes? Uh, Elizabeth and I were talking about how, uh, you know, we love each other because of our father-daughter relationship, Mm -hmm. but we also love each other because of the person that they are. Yeah, very true. Yeah. She's gonna preach for us one of these days. I know it, I know it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was just thinking that um, love for some people is involuntary, like loving my kid Yeah. loving my hmm. Hmm. It's, you know, for yeah. me it's not a choice, but that um, loving somebody who would not necessarily deserve, or somebody who's done Ooh. something wrong. Right My love like that has almost more merit. Where yeah, just: Yeah. In case you couldn't hear what she was saying, I'll try and uh, articulate it as well as you did. There's, uh, There are some people that it, it's real natural for us. It's almost involuntary for us to love certain people, but there are those that uh, the extra grace required, I think sometimes we refer to, to someone that maybe they've, they've wronged us, but choosing to show love to them. Um, is a is almost a, how would you describe it? A more it has more, merit. more merit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when um, when I was thinking about how to propose to Beth, um, let me tell you one one idea that actually never crossed my mind, and if it had, of um, it would have certainly led to death. Um, <laughs> Um, Beth, I'd like you to marry me because I'm out of options. <laughs> Wouldn't that be just horrible? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't. I did not use it. No. Um, <laughs> even if you're out of options, please, I'll take you. But yeah, yeah. Um, God gives us options, God allows us to live in a world with options. And He's saying, will you? I picture God down on one knee. But there's a lot of other options around. And it's a very vulnerable, when you think of the power of God, do you recognize how vulnerable he makes himself in that way? He kind of sets that power aside and says, I'm going to give you the option to choose. He could have put Adam in a headlock, made Adam do the right thing. He could have not planted the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not given him any options other than to do what was right. He gives us an opportunity to really show love. And I think there is a merit to it that God feels when he knows there are other trees that might be very appealing to us in the midst of the life that we're going through. Um, We can look around at desires, uh, the things that we desire, and I believe that there is a, a seed of desire that God gives us that is good and pure, and it is who He created us to be. But we would be foolish in saying that's the only desire we have. We have unhealthy desires. Um, but sometimes we have a, a desire for good things. Um, and at the same time, those sometimes those good things are not made available to us. And so even in those options we have to ask ourselves um if nothing on earth is satisfying me right now what does that tell me? And one of the authors that I was reading was saying if nothing on earth is satisfying then maybe you should look for things that are above earth to bring satisfaction. Um I believe that God created us with desires that are so big that they can only be fulfilled in him. So big that we will only find their ultimate fulfillment in a relationship with him by choosing him. At the core of every pleasure in life is God. And when we seek pleasure not um, not in more of God, but more than God, that's when we find ourselves uh, in trouble. And I'm going to say that again. Um, a desire for more of God, more of God's love, goodness, power, truth, These are great desires. We want more of. But when we want more than God's love, more than God's power, more than the things that God offers, this is is where God's saying, I I don't want you to take a bite of that because that's going to lead to separation. I want you to choose love. And what God gives us is good. And I, I think that is a... Uh, I talked last week about the power of of (laughs) self-talk, about speaking to ourselves uh, truthfully and gently as God does. And I think one of the things that we need to remind ourselves often is what God gives us is good. God is good, and what He gives us is good. And for that to wash over us, um, this word good appears over a dozen times just in the first chapter and a half of Genesis. So good must be pretty important to God. At the end of each day of creation, um, God looked over it and said, this is good. He created man and said, this is good. He put trees in the garden, in this forest, and he said, these are good. Now, this good is not just a a utilitarian functional type of good. um, Like take medicine because it's good for you, or, uh, I don't have the greatest car, but it's, it's good enough to get me to work. Um, God did not, um, God did not look over creation in that first day and say, eh, that'll do. <laughs> he didn't say, I'm a back's kind of hurting. So that's good enough. He looked at it and said, this is good. And with this idea of good, it's more than just functional. Um, it has to do with form and beauty. There's a a pleasant and agreeable component to it. It's rooted in happiness and prosperity. This is the good that God is referring to. What God gives us is good. Now I want us to, to reflect on what I, again, I think the deceiver came to Adam and Eve and he wanted to plant a seed of doubt. Maybe God doesn't know what's good. Maybe you, better than God, know what is good. But the Bible shows us and experience shows us that God knows what is good. God also knows what is not good. And uh, just in this following verse, uh, Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. He knew it was not good for us to live in isolation. I know this is a passage that's primarily focused um, into uh, the covenant of marriage, but this is a bigger picture here. He is saying, I don't want you to go through life by yourself. I created you for a relationship. He created us because he wanted a relationship with us. So God knows what is good and God knows what is not good. And then I don't want you to miss this. God is good. God is good. Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 34, I taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. So goodness is not just something that He possesses and pulls out of His pocket to offer to us like keys to His car. God is good. Good is who He is. He is pure goodness through and and through when we read in scripture that every good and perfect gift comes from above it comes from God God is not giving us something he is giving us himself that good gift is a part of himself so how good is God if he is good through and through could we even handle him giving us all of his goodness there's an interesting story in Exodus 33 It's one that, quite honestly, I find myself coming back to. And I want to kind of close with this picture of goodness. Um, The context is the Lord has just told Moses, I want you to lead this nation of Israel. And Moses responds with, whoa, uh, I don't think I'm good enough to do that. I don't know that I have enough good in me. Um, He didn't use those words, but that's certainly how he was kind of excusing himself from what, um, what God was asking him to do. And so the Lord promises Moses to be with him the whole time. So in other words, God's goodness was going to be present in spite of Moses' apparent lack of goodness. So let's pick it up in verse 18 of Exodus 33. where you may stand on a rock, when my glory passes by, think of it this way, when all of my goodness passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face but not, must not be seen. In other words, all of my goodness is about to pass by but you can't handle that much goodness. You would be completely overwhelmed. You have never seen that much goodness. And out of love for Moses, he kind of protects him. He says, I'm going to let you see some goodness, but I want you to know I got a lot of goodness. And what I'm asking you to do, I am going to be present. All of my goodness will be present in what I'm asking you to do. I've been asked numerous times um, in our move here, um, so do you love Marin? <sighs> yeah, <laughs> we love it. We are seeing displays of God's goodness all around us. I love that you, you can't, there's not a road you can drive on without seeing something good that God created. Um, and more than that, um, I'm getting to know people where God is demonstrating his goodness. I see portions of God's goodness being lived out right here among us. Um, But even with all of the goodness, and there are times when I've been on a hike or just been driving, and I got to really pay attention when I drive because I just kind of go, wow, I've never noticed that before. That is beautiful and just this this sense of awe and wonder of God's goodness is like a wave. And in that, I'm just seeing a tiny fraction of God's goodness. But there will come a day when I will see all of God's goodness. There will come a day when we have an opportunity to see beauty and goodness like we have never seen before, beyond what we could imagine. Revelation 22, he is describing, John is writing this letter, He's, he's a scribe for these words that God is giving him, and he is describing what this eternity in God's presence is going to be like. And he says, blessed are those who wash their robes. In other words, blessed are those who have allowed themselves to be washed by God's sacrificial blood. We are washed in His blood. We are made pure and clean because of His sacrifice. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to, here it is again, the tree of life. Planted there for us, just as it was for Adam and Eve, and may go through the gates to this city. So we enter into the gates, and we experience this tree of life, and we will see all of His goodness. And I believe that whatever posture we enter into heaven with will be instantly changed when we are in the presence of pure goodness. I may run into heaven, but I will probably fall prostrate. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll be crawling in and then jump up and then run. I don't know. But I have a feeling that that goodness is going to make a dramatic impact in my response. There's another tree that we've mentioned uh, in previous weeks, and I believe that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil points to another tree that we can choose, and it was an even more beautiful tree. Isaiah talks about it. Um, It's a tree that he equates to the person of Christ in a prophetic way, pointing to the Messiah. In Isaiah 11, he says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And this Savior that he's talking about, Jesus, Yeshua, he redeems us from sin. He redeems us specifically from the sin of seeking satisfaction apart from God. And he did this when he bore our sins, as Peter wrote, he bore our sins in his body on the tree. We have a tree of life in Genesis. We will see this tree of life and experience God in his fullness and all of his goodness. And what we have in the middle of this beautiful word that God has given us in scripture is it is because Jesus hung on a tree that we have an opportunity for this life. Communion. What we have before us in this cup and this bread is a powerful symbol of the goodness of Christ. I read earlier Psalm 34, 8, and it says, taste and see that God is good. Will you let yourself... Just uh, marinate on that verse as we prepare for communion. You are about to taste and see that God is good. Let that taste be a reminder to you as you begin now to reflect on God's goodness displayed in your life. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Those that are going to um, distribute the elements, you can make your way up here. Tom, you guys can get in place. With your heads bowed, can you think of just uh, how has God displayed at least a fraction of his goodness to you? You think of something just this weekend that's an example of his goodness. In your own way, how can you thank Jesus for his goodness, for his sacrifice? <laughs> Word that. Open up your heart to him. Heavenly Father, you are good. Your goodness is showered upon us and we thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for the fact that you chose to show us love. Just as you invite us to choose to receive your love, you came to this earth and chose to offer your life in love for us. Thank you for that incredible display of goodness. May we taste and see of your goodness. It's in your name I pray, amen. When you are ready, um, you can partake. Um, If you wanna spend some more time reflecting on God's goodness, you can do that. And then we'll wrap up with with the song in just a moment.